I'm coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. You might hear the sounds outside. I'm here at the church where I'm the pastor, Resurrection Williamsburg. It's right after the big day. Christmas Day has come and gone. But of course, Christmas is a whole season, and we've been given this time to not only celebrate together, but also to reflect deeply on the stories that the Bible gives us. And I never tire of thinking about the Christmas story. I never tire of thinking about the characters and the images and the details. And to be honest with you, I wish the Bible gave us more. I wish we knew more because there's a lot that we don't know. I mean, take the Magi. The Magi, best scholarship tells us, traveled from Western Iran to Bethlehem. That's a trip of 600 miles. What was that journey like? Did they make it on foot? Were they on camels? We don't know. And how many magi were there? Were there three? We often think that because there are three gifts, but there might have been two, or there might have been 22. We don't know what they looked like or what they were wearing. We don't know what languages they spoke or how they communicated with people once they got to Bethlehem. Most of all, I would love to know what they were thinking when they saw that child who was the cause of that star rising up into heaven. But let's leave aside the Magi and now turn our attention to someone else in the Christmas story, someone else that we don't know very much about, and that is Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. You might say that we don't know very much about the Magi because they're sort of peripheral players in the story, but Joseph, that is a person whose significance in the life of Jesus can hardly be overstated. Think about it this way. In Luke chapter 2, we are told that at the age of 12, both Joseph and Mary are still alive. In Hebrews chapter 2, we're told that Jesus was fully human in every way, which means that he, Jesus, developed as a human being just like you and I did that he needed the same care growing up that you and I needed, that he became who he was in the very same way that you and I became who we are. And so the necessary conclusion from all of that is that for at least 12 years, Joseph was Jesus's dad. And that Joseph did everything for Jesus that a dad does for their child the same things that our dads did for us. And that the actions of Joseph for Jesus were just as important as the actions and love that our father showed us. It was Joseph who held Jesus as an infant and who regarded him and looked at him with that mixture of love and affection and unconditional admiration that only a father can show. It was Joseph who placed his face close to Jesus when he was first learning to talk, mouthing the words. It was Joseph who helped Jesus to learn to walk, and Joseph is the one who picked him up when he fell. It was Joseph that took Jesus to synagogue and helped him to learn his Bible. It was Joseph who helped to teach Jesus to pray, and it was Joseph who prayed for Jesus every night laying in bed, thinking about him and worrying about him just like every parent does. I imagine that he prayed for him and worried about him from the very first night of his nativity 
all the way to the last night of Joseph's life. But for all of that, we just don't know very much about Joseph. Not very much is said in the Bible. But we humans are curious creatures, and I'm not the first person to have wondered about Joseph or wondered what else was going on in his life. And so there are a number of people who filled in the gaps. In the 2nd, in the 3rd, in the 4th century, a number of books were written. Some of them were about Joseph, people speculating about what he was like and what he did and what the details were. There's a book that was written in the 4th century called The History of Joseph the Carpenter. I can't really say that the history was terribly accurate, but there are some interesting details in there. It says that Joseph was a widower when he married Mary. It says that he brought four children into the marriage, four boys, two girls. It says that he lived to the age of 111 and that he was hale and hearty till his very last day. It's all very interesting, but it's just all legendary. It's all speculative. So what I want to do right now is I want to direct us to what the Bible really does say about Joseph. It's not much, but I do want to direct our eyes to the two things that the Bible says about Joseph. As far as I can tell, there are only two descriptions given of Joseph in all of the Bible. The Bible says that Joseph was righteous, and it also says Joseph was a tecton. And I want to have us think about those two descriptions that the Bible gives of Joseph, not only so we can think about Joseph, but I believe that the Bible also calls us to be those two things too. We are called to be righteous, and we are called to be tectons. Let's think about them both in turn. First, let's think about what it meant for Joseph to be righteous and how we might be righteous too. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19 says, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now you know the story here. You know that Joseph and Mary were engaged. You know that Joseph had never been intimate with Mary but then she was found to be pregnant. This is before Joseph was told by Gabriel that the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So as far as Joseph knows, Mary has been unfaithful to him. And at this point, this is when the Gospel of Matthew tells us this. Matthew tells us that Joseph, as a righteous man, righteous, did not want to disgrace Mary, but instead he wanted to send her away secretly and without shame. Now, what the law said at this time, what the Bible said, was that Joseph had every right to expose Mary. That he had every right to make her face the consequences of what he rightly, or at least understandably, assumed was her sin. Deuteronomy 22 says that the penalty for adultery is for a woman to be stoned. That would have been fair and it would have been just. But to be righteous, listen to me now, to be righteous is not just to be fair. To be righteous is not to follow the rules and the laws, not just that. To be righteous, Joseph shows us, is to look out for others, especially those who are in trouble. To be righteous is to set aside your own rights sometimes. To not insist on your own rights but even to sacrifice your own benefit for the sake of others. 
Think about what Joseph's choice cost him. It cost him the family that he believed he was going to have. Think about what the people in Joseph's life were probably saying about him at this time. Joseph, don't you, don't you want to do what's right? Joseph, don't you care about God's law? Joseph, aren't you going to be righteous in this situation? But in Joseph, we see what real righteousness is. Dear friends, in your life, you're going to be faced constantly with the choice of how you are going to speak and how you are going to act towards those who God places in your life. You're going to face the same kind of choices that Joseph faced. And the call and the path that you and I are called to is not to hang on to our rights, not to demand what is fair, but we would be righteous, which means to sacrifice our own rights, our own desires, our own standing among others, to care for the people that God has entrusted to us so that we might look out for those around us, especially those who are in trouble. That's what Joseph shows us about what it means to be righteous. You and I are called to be righteous too. So that's the first description that the Bible gives of Joseph. It says that he is righteous, and you and I are called to be righteous too. But the second way that the Bible describes Joseph is it says that he was a tecton. What's a tecton? Tecton is a Greek word that the Bible uses to describe the profession or the vocation of Joseph, and it's traditionally been translated as carpenter. But while carpenter is not a terrible translation for tecton, a better translation is artisan. Because the word tecton means anybody who builds or creates or fashions. It doesn't necessarily mean it's done just with wood. You can hear in the Greek word tecton some of the English words that we use for people who build and create. The word technology, the word architecture. They're both rooted in this word Tecton. So a tecton is anybody who's involved in construction and in building and repair. So Joseph may have been a carpenter. He might have worked with wood. Maybe he worked with stone, though. Maybe he worked with clay or metal. We don't know. We're not told exactly what kind of tecton Joseph was. Or maybe we are. I want you to think again about Joseph's work, his work as a father. I want you to think about the truth that we human beings are the products of all of the people who have invested in us and built us up. I want you to think for a moment for all, about all the people who have loved us and cared for us and invested in us with their hearts and their minds and their hands and their words and their worries, and their prayers. So we don't know exactly what kind of things Joseph built, but here's one thing that we know for certain that Joseph helped to build. He helped to build who Jesus was. When we see Jesus, we are seeing the building up of his father, Joseph. I want you to remember back one of the most famous stories in the life of Jesus it was the day when a group of men brought before Jesus a woman who had been caught in a scandal. Do you remember that story? And do you remember what those men told him? They said, Teacher, 
This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? Does that story sound familiar? So to them, Jesus gives an answer that is utterly faithful to God's law. It's an answer that is kind and gentle and righteous. It's an astounding answer that could only be surprising to anyone who didn't know that Jesus was the son of Joseph, that he was the tecton son. Because Joseph was a tecton, one who spent his life in the building up of who Jesus was and who Jesus became. And my dear friends, not only was Joseph a tecton, you and I are called to be tectons too. I want you to do something for me if you would. I want you to spend just a moment here. We could do this together. Call into mind the people that God has placed in your life that he has given to you in love so that you might help to build them up. Call into your mind right now your children, your spouse, your friends, the folks that you go to church with there at Renaissance, the people that you're traveling together in the way of Jesus with. Call into mind those people that God has called you to be a tecton to. And now that they're in your mind, I want you for a moment to ask God's light and love to be upon them. And I want you now to ask God for the strength and the courage and all the fruit of the Spirit that will help you to be a faithful tecton. All the strength that you need to help build the people up that God has given to you in your life. So those are the two things. Those are my two points. I'm a Presbyterian, usually three points, but today only two points. Joseph was righteous and he was a tecton, and you are called to be righteous and you are called to be a tecton. You are called to emulate Joseph, and he was a good father. He was righteous and he was a good tecton, but here's the truth. He was not perfect. No earthly father is But I also want to leave you with this. Although our earthly fathers may not be perfect, you do have a heavenly father. You do have a father who gives every good and perfect gift. A father who will give good gifts to his children, who will never leave them or forsake them. You have a heavenly father who is faithful to the uttermost. You have a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you. My dear friends, trust your heavenly father. Follow after his son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, my prayer for you is that you might live in righteousness and that like Joseph, you might be a good tecton. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.